0: Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness, from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better, by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well, so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you're stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today, I'm extremely pleased to be again with Dr. Russell Jaff. Dr. Jaff is a functional medicine pioneer and was so kind to share his story and some of his phenomenal knowledge and experience in a previous show. Welcome back, Russell. It's a pleasure. A pleasure to be back. Thank you. So today, you said you can talk about eight tests to save your life. Now, that sounds really interesting.
1: Yes, we at the Health Collegium Collegian Foundation looked at the test to cover epigenetics. Uh-huh. Now, w- most people are familiar with genetics. It's your DNA blueprint. It's what you get from your parents, although it's greatly influenced by your lifestyle choices, your attitude, and environment. So we wanted to know what tests would you need if you wanted to cover lifestyle. Epigenetics, mm-hmm. the things you can influence. The 92% of your lifetime quality of health and life, that's under habit choice. 8% you can blame mom and dad. 8% is genetic. 92% is lifestyle choices.
0: Yep, and most so people we, see it the other screened, way around.
1: We screened. Yes, we screened over 100,000 different lab tests. Many of which are markers of one kind or another, but we require that they be predictive. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And a predictive biomarker is one that tells you what you need today, as well as the chance of living 10 or more years. And a predictive biomarker has to have been done on every geography, every ethnic group, every socioeconomic group, You have to have what's called robust data Mm -hmm. to qualify as a predictive biomarker because they're all known as all cause morbidity mortality markers for the technical people who listen in. But what it means is the quality of your life today and tomorrow and the probability that you will live 10 or more years. Mm -hmm. And then we add one more nuance which is we interpret these to best outcome goal values, and we ignore laboratory ranges.
0: Okay, so what does that mean? Well, for with each of the eight tests, we know what the healthy
1: people value is, either the value or the range, and yes. for each of those eight tests, we'll tell you. Healthy people have this value or range, and you should too, if you want to be healthy.
0: I love that because you're not at, it's not and if normal. You're not at your goal value, yes. Right, if
1: you're not at your goal value, if you excuse me, but if you're not at no, your no. goal value, we can tell you what changes to make in regard to what you eat and drink, what you think and do, that we have found from experience and from uh, literature reviews to be most likely to safely and effectively bring you back to the best outcome goal value. Excellent.
0: Now, what is it? (laughs) Everybody Ah, wants to know. So the
1: A-test, right, right. So the (laughs)
0: A-test,
1: I'll list the A-test and then then we'll come back and talk about what each one measures and and what the goal value is, if that's okay. So the A-test, hemoglobin A1c, it's a very common test, but we also know that the range of values has to do with statistics and populations and not about me as an individual. Right. So hemoglobin A1C is the first. The second is high sensitivity C-reactive protein, HSCRP, again, a familiar test, but with a nuance in interpretation. Then homocysteine, an amino acid that is in balance with methionine, and a very important one in the, in regard to cardiovascular risk and stroke risk, etc. Then you get to lymphocyte response assay, LRA, because you want your immune system to be tolerant, and you want it to be able to defend you and repair you, and be able to eliminate the abnormal cancer cells that everybody makes every day. So it's kind of important. The fifth test is urine pH after rest. So you can check if you need more minerals in your cells. If you have metabolic acidosis, you'll put too much acid in the urine after rest. And we can tell you what to do about that in regard to supplementation. The next is vitamin D levels an accurate 25-hydroxy-D. And we'll tell you what the healthy people range is for that. And then our omega-3 index which is the balance of the central fats that get translated into very important um, what are called cytokine molecules, amplifying molecules in biology. And last, but important, is 8-oxoguanine, less familiar, but it's the measure of oxidative risk and damage to your DNA. And let me check. You want to keep that to a minimum of less than five. Oh, I'll get back to to the goal values in a minute. So those are the eight tests. Now we got the A tests. Let's go back and see what do each of those tests measure and what is the goal value. Is that okay?
0: Excellent. I love it because it's very hard here to get anything other than HbA and C and the CRP only if you ask for. No,
1: I understand. And and, and let me, if I can, it, add how you would explain to a conventional doctor why it will save your life to do these tests. Yeah. Um and, and and I remember Mark Roland in the original days of the Canadian health system. You didn't get all that uh, the father Pierre Trudeau and, and the Land, Mark Roland mm. intended, but you've got what you got. Right,
0: right. Anyway, no, let's talk so about it and why it's important.
1: Yeah. So so hemoglobin A1C is the measure of average sugar stuck onto protein, and one of my many mentors, Paul Gallup, in the late 1960s realized that there was an intense relationship between how much sugar was stuck onto protein and your risk of having a heart attack or a cardiovascular event or a stroke. So hemoglobin A1C is better even than blood sugar, fasting blood sugar, two hour postprandial ratio of insulin to glucose. We've done outcome studies in type one and type two diabetes and I'm glad to tell you highly successful compared to best standard of care. By using these kinds of functional approaches Mm -hmm. and not being subject to what's called white coat hyperglycemia, kind of like white coat hypertension. When many people go to have blood drawn, there's a little adrenaline surge at the time when someone puts a needle in your vein, which raises your adrenaline, raises your blood sugar transiently because it's considered to be a threat. Well, Mm -hmm. when someone puts a needle in your vein, you might think that's a threat. Um, So white coat hyperglycemia is a big problem, but hemoglobin A1C is the average sugar over three months or so. And so we come back and remeasure it in three to six months to see if it's at its best outcome goal value, which is less than 5%. And simply by cutting added sugar out of my diet, I was able to get my hemoglobin A1C to Mm
0: 4.5%.
1: And I know there was a recent article that said too low is too low, too high is too high, Goldilocks is correct, you want to be in the middle. Uh, I can tell you the error of that report, but the bottom line is you want to be less than 5% because when you're above 5%, you move quickly into pre-diabetes and uh, syndrome X and metabolic syndrome, and uh, overweight and uh, uh, underfunctioning, uh, and eventually diabetes, which afflicts today over a hundred million Americans. Prediabetes Absolutely. and diabetes afflicts one in three in America. And while you Canadians are more active, physically active, and that's good, I'll um, bet it's coming along in Canada too. We're oh, yes. Overfed and undernourished. Absolutely. Um, okay. So uh, so you've got hemoglobin A1c, HSCRP should be less Uh than 0.5 because this is the measure of repair need. Now, we think of it in terms of inflammation. We think of it in terms of cardiac risk. Sometimes it's called the cardio CRP, the high sensitivity or HSCRP, not the average CRP because it's the lower end of the range that's most important. And a healthy person will be able to repair without calling from the liver a molecule called CRP that is basically a cry for help I need to repair more than I'm able to please send reinforcements that's what CRP says when the liver produces it on demand from the body because the immune system is calling for help the next uh, test is homocysteine again a classic test of cardiovascular risk so anyone with a history of a family history of heart attack stroke uh, peripheral vascular disease, uh, coronary artery disease, um, cerebrovascular disease, carotid disease, anything that has to do with your heart, the blood vessels, and your brain relates to homocysteine. And we've known this since Kilmer McCauley in the 60s put it on the map, and we know that doing an accurate plasma homocysteine is predictive. Notice I said accurate. And the fourth is, uh, and your value should be less than six. Value
0: well, should be less than six. And that's actually a six. good point where we have to yeah. stop the first half of the show. And sure. it is extremely uh, interesting. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, the rest of the broadcast after the commercial break for to hear more with Dr. Jaff about the eight tests to save your life. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5, CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Dr. Russell Jaff, a functional medicine pioneer, about the eight lab tests to save your life. Now, the first half we talked about the uh, HbA1c, the CRP, and the homocysteine. But I know there's five interesting ones left. So let's go on.
1: Yes. So next is LRA, uh-huh. lymphocyte response assay. This is a measure of immune tolerance and intolerance. It has to do with what you eat and drink, what you're exposed to in your environment. And it tells us what you're tolerant to and what you're intolerant to, what you're hypersensitive to, what is using up your vitality that you don't know about because the reactions occur three hours to three weeks after exposure. Mm -hmm. That's why you need an ex vivo LRA, ex vivo lymphocyte response assay, to find out what you can eat, that you can digest, take up and assimilate, utilize and eliminate without immune burden. So that's number four. Mm And the goal is to have no hypersensitivities, no foods, chemicals or medications or environmental chemicals that are burdening your immune system and burning up your vitality. Mm -hmm. The next test is urine pH after rest. It's a measure of cellular acid state, what's called metabolic cellular acidosis. It's a a measure of whether you've got enough magnesium Mm -hmm. inside your cell. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the healthy range is 6.5 to 7.5. And many people are below 6.5, and it's what's called a logarithmic scale, which means every number different is a factor of 10. So if you go from 6.5 to 5.5, that's a 10-fold difference. If you go from 6.5 to 4.5, that's a 100-fold difference. So small changes in pH at the cellular level or, as we're talking about the urine pH, small changes have a profound impact on whether you're resilient And whether you can resist the toxins of the environment or whether the door is open because you don't have the healthy, protective antioxidants, buffering minerals and cofactors to protect you from uh, the challenges of the 21st century.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: The next test test, uh, is a vitamin D level and we suggest 25-hydroxy-D. Um, I know that many colleagues say, well, everybody's deficient in vitamin D, so don't even measure it, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, and being deficient is not a good thing, because it's not really a vitamin, it's a neurohormone. And the healthy people have 50 to 80 nanograms per ml, and the average American or Canadian probably has less than 20. Right. And yes, in theory, if you took a sunbath in the nude, you would get some vitamin D, and quite a nice vitamin D boost. But unless you're a lifeguard in Tel Aviv Beach, you don't have enough of your surface area, enough of your skin exposed to get enough vitamin D if you go outside with clothes on. And unless you're, you know, uh, have the opportunity to go outside without clothes or prefer to be without clothes, which most of us don't, you're not going to get enough vitamin D from the sun. So forget about it.
0: I think it's important. Dr.
1: Michael Mm Holland. Dr. Michael Hollick, who's known as Dr. Sunshine, a (laughs) colleague of mine whose full expertise is in the vitamin D issue, he points out that many millions of people in North America don't absorb vitamin D from their gut. So they have to take it as drops under the tongue before they swallow. It goes to the brain before the body. And now I've had colleagues, physicians tell me from all over North America that they gave lots of vitamin D by mouth and people didn't get mm-hmm. adequate vitamin D replenishment, but they gave it as drops under the tongue before swallowing and now people were doing much better.
0: Now what is so you your opinion? Let, let me just they ask they it, you how to get it in the body. Then vitamin sorry, D is known to be have the possibility to be toxic if you overdose it, especially if not taken in concert with other nutrients. Uh,
1: well, you're, no, no. Let me, let me, let me just, agree with just you. Just want to
0: warn you, people and, and to just increasing
1: it and l- taking. it. L- me agree. Let mm-hmm. me agree and modify. Good. If you only take vitamin D in high amounts and you don't take what's called vitamin K two, right? You can have problems, but exactly. nobody should ever have those problems. We use physiology before pharmacology. We mm-hmm. recommend that folks take a balanced base of D three and K two. So you have enough to carboxylate the very specialized amino acid called dicarboxyglutamic acid, which is necessary to bind the minerals like calcium and magnesium to build your bones. And we do have evidence, my colleague Susan Brown and I, of building new bone by DEXA confirmation in just two years of following this nutritionally competent approach
0: i done it
1: myself. So I had osteoporosis. I took the vitamins. It, it's gone. It right. Works. So vitamin D is a neurohormone. Mm. It helps regulate cell growth. It says to cells, we need more of you, or it says to cells, we have enough of you. So it's really, as I said, a neurohormone. Mm. And 50 to 80 is the range that healthy people have. Yes, you need to have other nutrients and essential factors along with a symphony of nutritional competence, so it isn't just one instrument or just one molecule to the exclusion of all else, but when you have a basic amount of D3 and K2, then you can add drops of D3 to bring you into that 50 to 80 range while still having enough K2 so your liver carboxylates the glutamic acid to make the dicarboxyglutamic acid that builds the bone.
0: Excellent. Next one, omega 3 index. So important. Omega 3 index. Bill Harris's test.
1: It looks at the ratio of two different kinds of essential fats. We need both omega 3 and omega 6. The problem is that if you eat packaged processed food, you're going to get, or have edible oils in your diet, you're going to have way too much omega 6 and probably too little omega 3. So we recommend doing an omega-3 index. It should be more than 8%. I'm glad to tell you mine was 13.3% because I supplement with 6 to 10 Mm -hmm. grams a day of EPA, DHA, distilled under nitrogen to remove toxins and protect those essential fats, but to balance out the omega-3 to 6 ratio in my diet. Excellent. And then the last one is this measure of DNA oxidative stress, the genetic code being oxidized or at risk of damage. Uh, it's 8-oxoguanine. That's the name of the test. It's a spot urine test, so it's an easy collection of a spot urine, and it's always presented per milligram of creatinine, which is why you can just take a random urine and then correct the value to the per milligram of creatinine. And the goal value is less than 5 nanograms of the 8-hydroxyguanine. uh hmm Uh, per milligram of creatinine, less than five nanograms, is the goal value. So now you know which eight tests cover all of lifestyle and epigenetics, and tell me what your value is compared to that best outcome goal value, and I can tell you what to do in regard to lifestyle, in regard to what you eat, drink, think, and do, uh, in light of our decades of experience at translating information and inspiration into an action plan, and yes, there is some effort and perspiration on be part of the person, but at least we can help them know where to celebrate that they're strong and resilient because they're at their goal value or goal range, but also where they're at risk and what to do about it in regard to changing habits of daily living.
0: And I absolutely love what you said today. That is so important for people that want to be healthy, not just rely on what their doctor tells you is normal, because normal is just average, and I always have my favorite uh, idea of what is average is somebody with the head in the oven and the feet in a bucket of ice water and says, on average, I feel great.
1: Mm. Yeah, well said, very well said. And and just a footnote on that, the term normal is actually a mathematical Mm -hmm. term having to do with usual statistically for the population we're looking at, has nothing to do with the actual meaning of common parlance, normal. And right. one of the things I did when I took over the clinical center labs at the National Institutes of Health was I changed the reports, so we reported the usual range, also known as the normal range, Well we reported the usual range, and all over uh, NIH, doctors called up and said, I don't want the usual range, I want the normal range, and we had to <laughs> explain to them it's the same thing. Yes. You've been fooled for years thinking that normal means normal, it means statistically usual. right having nothing to do with normality. And there's a wonderful book for people who are technical and professional called Beyond Normality by Galen and Gambino, published about 1976. And that was transformative as a step forward. And what we're talking about today is the next generation after that. The next step into personalized, proactive, predictive, primary prevention practices to save your life and to help you feel and function well, whatever your age and whatever your prior risks might be.
0: Wow, oh, that is so wonderful. I always tell my clients just normal doesn't mean it's healthy. It's just normal right. is sick because who takes blood from healthy people? Hardly anyone. <laughs> Actually, my friend Hugh Reardon
1: in Wichita, Kansas in the United States spent two years trying to find 100 people in the greater Wichita area who are asymptomatic to do a study on healthy people Mm -hmm. and he had trouble finding them and so did Emmanuel Traskin one of my many mentors who who had the concept of an optimum daily intake not just a daily value what we have on the label of supplements is how much you need to avoid deficiency right. diseases like kwashiorkor, Pellagra, etc. And I don't want anyone to have those. But <laughs> it tells you nothing about what you need to be healthy in the 21st century. Right. And that's where we've added a next generation.
0: And that is a wonderful uh, thought of ending the show. Uh, to, mm. to end it, why don't you share a link where they can contact you before we wrap up?
1: Oh, thank you. It's drrusselljaffe.com, D-R-R-U-S-S-E-L-L-J-A-F-F-E.com, drrusselljaffe.com. From there, you can get to any of a dozen different, either more academic and technical websites or functional websites to meet your needs. Um, we're, we're doing our best to um, make available the news Because this is news people need and solutions they can use. It's just with your help, we can get the message out.
0: And And without your help,
1: we won't be able to. Yes,
0: and I absolutely love what you do. And I recommend to all the listeners to go to the website, check it out, and uh, uh, do what they can to get or stay healthy and well. Thank you so much for being on the show. And please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Dr. Jaff, my email here is christine at communityradio.ca or you can contact me through my website, drchristine.com. I'm always grateful for any feedback. And I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Ron Goyash. Thanks, Ron. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIO EFM Community Radio with live stream on communityradio.ca for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.